Hey, Dad. Want to see something? What? The journey of Caesar is in many ways the journey that the movie takes. And to have Andy Serkis play Caesar has been above and beyond my wildest hopes and expectations. He's really brought the depth to the character. And once he's in it, he's just this very well-rounded and deep character who goes through this incredible transformation. You know, and Andy is such an incredible actor. He gave really fantastic performances. You really feel this character go through a whole series of discoveries and setbacks and revelations. And he tells that story all in his face and in his body. And it's just so great that in the world of performance capture, Andy Serkis is top of his field. So what's your secret? Oh, I, I can't take any credit. It's in his genes. I think you're being very modest. He's pretty amazing. Andy Serkis has created this new kind of performance in a way, and, and he fell into it. I mean, he was cast as Gollum just for his voice, and then I guess Peter Jackson realized what a great physical performance he was giving and that he should try and capture that in some way. So Andy kind of fell into this performance capture world and has really pioneered it, and so Rupert wanted and, him immediately. Uh, that was great, the reactions. He's one of those actors that's embraced the technology because he understands the potential of what it can achieve. And he's one of those actors that really understands that every nuance that he gives is conveyed onto the screen. What makes Andy a really great performer in this kind of role, starting with Gollum and Lord of the Rings to the King Kong, and especially in the role of Caesar, is that he brings a lot of experience to it that's really relevant. The basic usage of performance capture is to, to create a fidelity to the actor's performance. So when you see it on the screen, you will see the apes, but they're apes which are infused with the heart and soul of an actor's performance. And Andy complements that in the work that he's done with us because he understands the animation process that goes through afterwards, so he knows what we're going to be able to add on to it afterwards so that everyone actually understands the, the nuances and the subtlety of the performance. It's one of the technical and creative merges that we have in the movie. So technologically, we need to be able to, to capture Andy in his performance. Take your stinking bar off me, you damn dirty ape! No! But there are times where Andy's presence is bigger than Caesar, so we use Devon for blocking and for being able to see a shape or a character that's more the actual size of Caesar. Cut. Working with Andy has been really awesome. I've learned so much working with him. He's amazing at it. And just kind of watching him mostly, I guess, or following him, and just really looking at everything he does to try and do it the exact same. So the technique that we use is to first capture the scene with the performer who's going to be, in this case, Caesar, for example. We, we would perform the scene with Andy. Uh, and then afterwards, you'll do other things to try to fill in the missing gaps. Like you'll, you'll record the whole scene again without Andy so that we have information of what the camera might expect to see behind him because he's bigger than Caesar. And so you have to paint in a lot of things to, to help take Andy out of the set. Uh, you might do it with uh, a smaller performer or a stand-in just walking through the set just to get an actual size reference. There's things that you do to try to figure out what the lighting was doing, what the camera was doing on set. There's a lot of information that has to get gathered to kind of recreate in a virtual world everything that you see in the real world. So it's a little bit like Roger Rabbit. I mean, you have the opportunity to have Andy playing Caesar acting alongside James, who's playing Will Rodman, the human scientist. And so we shoot that scene where the two of them are interacting. And of course, that's great. James doesn't have to act against thin air. And so while we're acting, he is 
not in an ape suit. He's in, you know, these gray pajama looking things with sensors all over his body and he has dots on his face that will help the effects team read his expressions in the computer. So you would think that acting opposite somebody like that and trying to think that they were a chimpanzee would be very difficult, but from the first scene that we had together on, you know, it's been actually, it's been easy because Andy is so good at the behavior and he's so connected to what he's doing and, you know, the other actors that he allows my imagination to take over and I really can treat him as a very intelligent chimpanzee but a chimpanzee. And that's basically, you know, what he's giving me there, this believable behavior, is basically what you look for from any other actor you're acting opposite. If they're good, they'll pull you into the scene and the circumstance. And so that's exactly what he's done. But what you then have to do is you then have to take Andy out of the shot and you have to redo the scene again. And that's what's called a clean plate, where you're basically, you are doing Roger Rabbit, where, where James has to perform against nothing. And that's really challenging for everybody because he's not reacting off of anything. He's having to basically create the energy of that scene. So the time you feel silliest is when the shot is a close-up on Andy, but he's not there. So basically the camera's just shooting a wall and I'm acting to that wall. <laughs> but it's fine. I mean, you kind of just um, chalk it up to you know, something that's necessary to, to make a movie like this. I think the thing that makes Andy Serkis so good at performance capture is that he's a great actor. He has a great understanding of character and he becomes so emotionally invested in those characters that it is sometimes, even though he's dressed in a funny suit and he's got markers and green dots on his face, you watch him you know, on set and during the, during the takes and you're just completely there. You believe that he's a chimpanzee even though nothing in his physical appearance would, uh, would tell you otherwise. So um, yeah, he's a top-notch actor. I wasn't exactly sure whether they were going to be using real monkey. I mean, obviously I knew that Caesar was going to be something a little special, but when I heard that Andy Serkis was doing it, I was extraordinarily excited. Not only am I a huge fan, but I knew that he's going to make it a lot easier for me, um, the fact that I could react against someone. and It's terrifying seeing a human act that primitive, really, so that massively helps. He really has nailed this kind of work, and it's the future in a way. He's the one that brings these scenes to life, and he's a wonderful actor. <laughs> Performance capture is about getting inside the soul of whatever character you're playing, whether it's human or whether it's a creature or whether it's an ape. And I think that's the real thing that people haven't understood about performance capture. And they, they think performance capture is about servicing a visual effect. And it's none of those things. The emotional center of the performance will only come from an actor. And with Caesar, it's, it's actually a brilliant tool. It, it encapsulated within this extraordinary person is this talent that raises everybody else up. And it was amazing to see, and it, it included, including me. Um, when you get onto a set with somebody like Andy Serkis, he has a spirit and an effervescence about him that, you know, all of the other apes, he became the leader of those apes. And it, and it wasn't through dictating or in any way dominating any of the others. It was all about basically leading by example. And a lot of our actors that were playing the apes were from theatre or from, from a stunt background. And in a way, the story mirrored the actual making of the movie because he actually allowed them to believe in the fact that this was possible, that we could do this. And I think, you know, that's a really rare breed that you get an actor that is that, is that engaging and that encouraging and, and also brilliant. Caesar. Caesar's home.
We are on the set of the Golden Gate Bridge. This is where the final battle sequence takes place. This is the largest mocap volume in the world and the first time it's been done outside. So Weta is basically changing all the rules with motion capture. It was a world first. We had to create the Golden Gate Bridge as a live, physically built set, but we then had to have performance-captured apes on that bridge, and we therefore had to use all of the technology that Weta brought to a real location. The timing for us is lucky. We came right at a time when Jim Cameron and Weta had done something that had never been done before. Joe Letary and his group down there had perfected this performance capture. You know, we were shooting exteriors and performance capture. No movie's ever done that. Action! Well, what we did is we created these cameras that were able to see all the performance capture markers and information in daylight. It was kind of setting those up and hiding them so that when you're photographing the set, you don't see the cameras, but they're there and they're recording what the actors are doing. And then you have an actor who is in his full mocap suit and he's in there acting with everyone that is in on the performance with him. It's a one big Velcro piece suit. They've upgraded to these infrared sensors. The cameras can pick up outside in daylight. This is breaking new ground. It's really nice to be outside on the Golden Gate Bridge with real live action actors and cars as apes. There were a whole lot of other things that we had to take into account, you know, the heat and the moisture, and so we built little closures over the motion capture cameras so they wouldn't get fried if it started to drizzle a little bit. Unfortunately, because we were doing the motion capture in the photography that we were doing, um, you couldn't just put cameras wherever you wanted to. So we ended up having a fixed row of cameras along the green screen wall, but there were also cameras that were on movable towers that we could kind of position in and out. We came up with this quick recalibration process where we had the object of known dimensions and they would be put into the space to quickly recalibrate the cameras because we had to move them so much. So I'm about to calibrate the motion capture system with this device here we call the wand. It's a known device. All the cameras are about to watch me wave it around. It looks a little silly, but uh, let's just do what we do here. This is our other calibration device. It's, uh, we call it the L-frame. It looks like the coordinate system and a graph. So we place it out here so the cameras can see it. And then uh, between the wand and the L-frame, we can figure out where we are. Golden Gate Bridge set was huge. I mean, it's six lanes of traffic with sidewalks on either side. And so the challenge of trying to actually see what was being recorded there was pretty extreme because we had to be high and far away in order to be able to mount the cameras to cover the whole set. But you got actors with little dots glued to their costumes that are far away. And each of these cameras has to be able to track all the dots that are going on amongst all the cars and the reflections and figure out what's going on to discern the movement of all these apes running around. second unit stuff, they know what they're going to shoot, but a lot of the choreography happens 10 minutes before we're going to shoot it. So they'll choreograph a bit where all of the apes are coming over the railing and attacking the, the police officers. And then the next sequence where we're all parading over the cars, that's all real. The boom! Well, yeah. And it starts to lift up and then, yeah, maybe yeah. somebody grabs and or then, whatever. And then it's like, boom, boom, we all walk really help you get you in a character. Just like pop them in, you're there. So the technique that we use is to first capture the scene with the performer and then afterwards 
you'll do other things to try to fill in the missing gaps. Like you'll record the whole scene again so that we have information of what the camera might expect to see behind him. And so you have to paint in a lot of things to, to help take the performer out of the set. There's a lot of information that has to get gathered to recreate in a virtual world everything that you see in the real world. So much of what you're having to replace is very reflective because it's all about just a bunch of shiny cars. So you take an eight performer who's running down a row of cars and you're not only having to paint out them, but you're also having to deal with their reflection that's in the car they're standing on, the car in front of them, the car behind them. If the camera moves from here to here, the reflection changes quite a bit. The trickiest part about the whole thing was just trying to make sure we actually had coverage. We had up to 80 cars basically lined up in rows. There were lots of occlusion issues. You'd have eight performers that would be dipping in between and in amongst the, these vehicles. Action! One of the, the biggest challenges from a, from a practical point of view for an animator is the sheer number of apes that we have in, in some of these shots. When you're talking about apes within that particular sequence, you're having to shoot six or seven performance capture artists because that's really the maximum that you can capture at any one time. And they have to represent 150 apes. You then have to block everything accordingly. You have to block all the extras in exactly the same way over and over again. Background action and action. When they shot it on the set, there was three or four actors that they had that they were actually motion capturing. So we had those guys to start with, but then we would have to go back to our motion capture library where we have all these random run cycles and jumps and climbing over cars and start adding all those in as well. So a shot that originally had three ape performers in it ends up having 150 apes in it. It's getting the scale of the bridge. I mean, we could only build a section of the bridge, and then our plan was then we would extend the set digitally. We actually created you know, a full digital set of the Golden Gate Bridge, and we created the surrounding hills and the ocean. It's a, quite a massive set that we actually ended up building. When we first started, we started looking at the sequences that were being turned over, and we looked at the previous that was being done, and we started to try to break down like where those actions were happening across the Golden Gate Bridge. It starts out with seeing the, the live plate shots of the bridge and getting a lot of photo reference of the actual bridge as well as the one that was on set. And from that, then it goes to the models department, and the models has to figure out how to match everything exactly. Once all that stuff passes through the models department, it comes to us, then we start all the procedural texturing. And then that is passed off to the lighting department to do the final render. There are lots of um, digital car extensions. In addition to just the, the cars that we see going off into the fog, there's also interaction with those vehicles. During the shoot, the special effects teams had rigged up some of the vehicles for those clean passes that we shot with hydraulic rigs and things that would actually shake the vehicles as if there were apes you know, running over doing digital hood and car roof uh, replacements so that we can actually get dents and things and, and take weight under the... Three, two, one, it was amazing. It was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life physically. The beautiful thing about it was that we got to use and interact with real props. And we were jumping over real cars. We were smashing real windows. It was something that you didn't have to pretend. We used our eight performance, we used real stunts, hundreds of cars, we used hundreds of extras, and there's an extraordinary atmosphere, but it uses every part of the bridge. It's quite an event.
So that was one of the main breakthroughs of the film, was being able to really complete the two performance capture worlds coming together. What we're hoping people take away from what Weta brought to the film is just believing what you see. We really just enjoy making films where you can sit there and look at it and say, wow, I didn't know this existed, but it must. tell you a story about a world turned completely upside down. A place where once you were the ruler, but now you're the ruled. This is Planet of the Apes, the new movie directed by Tim Burton, starring Mark Wahlberg, Helena Bonham Carter, Tim Roth, Michael Clark Duncan, and myself. Plus a few hundred other talented actors who might best be described as tall, dark, and hairy. One day they'll tell a story. And some will say it was just a fairy tale about a human who came from the stars and changed our world. started, I rented the original Planet of the Apes to find out what this world was all about. But when I arrived on set, I quickly realized we're talking Tim Burton here, which means this Planet of the Apes is no remake. It's reimagined. It's not a remake. It's not a sequel. This is Tim's take on Planet of the Apes. When I was first approached by this, I thought, oh, they're going to do a remake of Planet of the Apes, which I thought was not a good idea because it was such a surprising good movie to begin with. But uh, then I started thinking about the material, which I, like a lot of people, was very affected by uh, first time around. And it just stuck with me. And the idea of sort of reimagining this mythology and just coming at it from a different way and looking at it in a different way was very exciting to me. Mark Wahlberg is our pilot, basically set up on a space station, and there's disturbance going on out there. Oh, Ron, I got a visual. Delta pod, four. When I arrive on this planet, I find thousands and thousands of hostile apes. It's our world, but turned upside down. It's ruled by apes, and the humans are treated as, as beasts, as savages, and it gets captured by the army. This one, look at me. You dirty human! When I see these apes and these gorillas that are talking, I mean, it just, just doesn't seem real to me. How the hell did these monkeys get like this? What other way would they be? You're begging me for a treat right now. It's just 
such an anomaly to us. He looked the apes in the eye right away, and he is determined and proud and aggressive and strong, and we're in awe of him. Who the hell are they? They all want to see this human who defies the apes. Some humans have escaped. Declare martial law. Form of divisions. I don't try to change their world. I just want to get out of it. So in order for me to survive, I have to kind of fight their fight. Cut! I couldn't think of a more perfect pairing than Planet of the Apes and Tim Burton. It just spells magic. Take the essence of the material and just revisit this amazing Planet of the Apes. Bow your heads! To be honest, I didn't know much about Planet of the Apes before they asked me to be in it. I mean, the original came out in 1968. But when they told me Tim Burton was directing, that's all I needed to hear. Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Sleepy Hollow. Those were the movies I grew up with. I grew up watching movies, you know, there was a theater that showed like triple features in our neighborhood. They'd have like a Japanese science fiction, like War of the Gargantuas, and then they'd have like uh, Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde, and then there'd be like a Black Yellow movie. So they'd have these weird combinations of films. There was always an amazing triple feature and, you know, always loved, especially fantasy horror movies, but that definitely was a part of, you, you know, the fabric of, of your life. He's made you laugh. Get me transvestite. I need transvestite. Made you cry. Ah! Why are you hiding back there? Brought you thrills. Chills. Can you be scary? What do you think of this? And spills. He's even made you wonder wow. what people wear down under. I like to dress in women's clothing. I even paratroop wearing a brassiere and panties. He's a dreamer, a visionary, and just a little bit out of his mind. And what did Santa bring you, honey? Blessing better heads on boils. He's legendary director and producer, Tim Burton. Why do you know how to pick him? From the very beginning, he's wowed us with his sense of adventure. He's scared us silly. <laughs> Brought legends to life. I'm Batman. And astounded us by breathing life into legends. It was a horseman, headless. His films are touching, <laughs> gripping. This story's gonna grab people. Worst film you ever saw. Well, my next one will be better. And truly out of this world. Don't run. We are your friends. Stay tuned, as his best is yet to come. But my true love is choreographing ice shows, and I think that's where my true talent lies. When we return, I'll introduce you to the apes who populate this otherworldly planet. One of the interesting notions in Planet of the Apes is that traditional lines are blurred between man and ape. In fact, during production, I became so accustomed to seeing some of my fellow actors as apes, I often forgot they were actually human. When I sat down to read, uh, we, we did the read-through, and I, I just found out I got the part. I was sitting there with Mark Wahlberg, Tim Roth, Helena Bonham Carter, Michael Clark Duncan, Paul Giamatti, and me. And I'm kind of like, hmm. 
how did I get here? You know, <laughs> this is really cool. <laughs> and now it is time for you to leave. Mark Wahlberg is our pilot. He's really impressive to me in the movies that he's done, and he has a real gravity to him and a strength and a kind of a, a clarity that we feel kind of goes really good set against this planet of the apes. Which tribe are you from? U.S. Air Force. I'm going back to it. Estella Warren. She represents, as a human, the more reverse beauty in the beast. There are some humans that are slaves and trained to work with the apes, and some who kind of rebel, and Dana was part of the rebellious crew. She's definitely very proactive. Why should be so difficult? I don't act more like a slave. No, that's not what I'm right, shut up! It goes for all species. With the apes, we wanted to get people that were really good actors that we feel could come through the makeup. Is the general of the army, he's the head of the military, and he finds the humans disgusting. I'm tired of this human! He'd be up for liquidation. He's a bit of a Nazi. Tim Roth's character represents sort of a certain point of view of the ape culture. He's definitely the villain of the piece. Kill them all. Ari, who is an upper-class chimp of liberal persuasion, and basically a human rights activist. It's disgusting the way they treat humans. Atar. He's a general of the Ape Army, and Atar is second in command to Tim Roth's character, Thade. And my job is to make sure that the Ape Army is run correctly. Limbo, who is a slave trader, he deals in human beings. Get him out and get him clean! I'm sort of an opportunist and anything to sort of make money and get by, and I'm a little bit of a con man, and... But I'm not a bad guy. <laughs> I don't think. Take it easy, little fella. I wouldn't hurt my own property. When I saw the cast, I'm like, oh, man, he's in it. So-and-so's doing this. And it was like being a part of this great ensemble that not too many times you have part to be of. Clearly, Tim Burton branded his own unique vision on Planet of the Apes. But the original created quite a buzz on its own, launching sequels, TV series, toys, and even lunchboxes. The original was such a pop culture phenomenon that it left few corners of this planet untouched. I was president of production of 20th Century Fox when we made the original Planet of the Apes. And of all of the films that I made in those years, and I was there for like nine years, you know, we made over a hundred pictures. This is the one, the only one I would have been interested in revisiting as a producer, because I think it has somewhere to go. What is this place? A fella came into my office one day back in 1967, and he, he had been experimenting with this story. And I read it over the weekend and uh, responded very strongly to it. It was really the first of the space odysseys. This was before Star Wars or Lost in Space or Alien or any of those. We knew we had a good picture all along. You never know how an audience uh, will accept it. But uh, when we had the test screening, it, it was a huge success and we really knew we were home free on it. I always had a fascination with it. I know growing up, I used to love the Planet of the Apes movies, to watch them over and over again, because it was a fascination with uh, people transforming, you know, and people using makeups. The design of the movie was so classic 
that had never got dated. Like sometimes you see science fiction movies from 30 years ago. Oh yeah, you know, in the future everything's going to look like a disco. But that the way it was just the design was so simple and basic that it never looked like some cheesy movie from the 70s. As a kid, I did. I loved them all. There was absolutely no. Uh, a critical faculty involved at all. I loved everything. The world of apes really captured your imagination, and that follows through today. I have a two-year-old, and we watch Planet of the Apes together. And, you know, monkeys? I'm like, yes, monkeys. And one day they'll take over, so it'll be good. You know? Growing up in Nassau and the Bahamas, we didn't really have gorillas and apes. We didn't have zoos. So, you know, the movies became my zoo. It's exciting for me because it presented something that, you know, my mind couldn't fathom. Now I'm excited as a, as a grown-up because I get to go back and relive those, those feelings and emotions uh, with Tim Burton bringing that back to life. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! So, Austin, what's the future like? Well, um, everyone has a flying car and the Earth is ruled by damn dirty apes! That's Dr. Sayers from Planet of the Apes. Oh. Dr. Sayers, Dr. Sayers. Dr. Sayers, Dr. Sayers. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Every good big Hollywood summer blockbuster needs its song. <laughs> so we went and, and wrote a song. You and I live on the planet. planet on the it's sort of about the first film, the original film, but, you know, I'm sure it's so. We're perfect good, and we're good friends with Tim, so I'm sure, I'm sure he's gonna. He's, he's gonna, gonna put it on. I'm on the planet. planet on the I escaped and went down by the sea And I saw a half-buried statue of liberty That's when it suddenly occurred to me Wait a minute, Statue of Liberty That was our planet! You maniacs! You blew it up! Damn you! Damn you all to hell! <laughs> I'd just die if he didn't put it in. You gotta be kidding me. As innovative as the original was, when we come back, I'll show you how 21st century technology has taken apes to the next level. Creating Planet of the Apes wasn't about altering our world but about inventing theirs. In Tim Burton's hands, what this means is turning lights and camera into action. It was important to try to weave in certain ape mannerisms. We wanted to give the actors the opportunity to learn about ape movements, not to act as an ape, but to have that in their repertoire. So it wasn't just people talking in ape mass. Sending the first wave. I was introduced to Charlie Crawfell, who's the head stunt coordinator, who said, oh, and soon you'll be starting ape school. And I said, uh, ape school? We put together ape school. The purpose of it was, was to teach movement. Depending on whether they're a chimp, gorilla, or orangutan, they all carry themselves differently. And each actor had to be taken through the learning process. We worked with stuntmen. We were guys who were kind of specialized in 
ape movement. We had to do a lot of stuff of learning a kind of basic walk and learning how to use your hands like an ape and ape behavior. I was sent off for about four weeks and it was taken very seriously. I mean, at first, in fact, I failed. I was, I was flunked. Paul Giamatti and Carrie was a gorilla. I sailed through it and I was told I had ADD and I had absolutely no concentration, which I thought was very chimp-like, you know. But no, not true. Getting her to just focus was the challenge, you know. So she had to come back in and her character, Ape, came out. She's come along really far. You'll see in the movie, she's, she's got it now. I can show you the way. We wove in certain traits because there's certain traits that are interesting and somewhat connect with human traits. And so we're just trying to find that balance and level. And also show their strength and anger and certain things that their certain primal nature comes out. We try to extend the actor's performance as deeply into the action element as we can. Mark is a fantastic athlete and a fantastically physically competent guy, so he's done a lot of stuff himself. I just do whatever Tim wants me to do. He's very concerned with safety and, you know, he would never put anybody in a dangerous situation. So whatever he wants me to do, I don't have a problem doing. The Olympics, 2004. But if it's, if it's between Michael Clark and myself, I try to suggest that maybe Tim use the double. It's because the guy is really big and really strong. Right now, I'm doing a horse stunt. So if you look here, you see me. If you look right there, you'll see me. And if you look out there, you'll see me. I have three different attitudes today. So you don't know if you're really talking to Michael Clark Duncan or not. And you're not positive it's me or not. You don't know who it is. You don't know which one is which. I might be the stunt double. This might be Michael Clark Duncan, or is that Michael Clark Duncan out there? You just never know what you're gonna get. Who's in charge Action and movement was only half the story behind creating believable apes for this exciting new world. To finish the job, six-time Academy Award-winning makeup artist Rick Baker was called in to work his unique brand of magic. first film it was a milestone makeup movie I thought we need to do it as a makeup movie how do we do it we're gonna have much more expressive apes the actors are gonna be able to act through these makeups in a way that they couldn't in the first film all my emotions can be done in this mass it contours every part of my face <laughs> You have to take a mold of your whole body for your costume and everything, so I, I never did that. We'll do your whole head. Your ears will be covered, though. The weirdest part is when they do your face, because everything is covered but your nostrils, and they say, you're going to be under this for five minutes. And they just say, lean back, and it goes in your mouth because they have to get your lips. I got some big, perfect lips. Look at that. <laughs> what woman in Hollywood could resist these? And then it starts to harden. And then it starts to get hot. And that's when your mind says, you know you're going to die, don't you? You know this is it for you. They tricked you. This will be the negative of your face, mm -hmm. which then we take and fill a plaster to get the positive. What I do. I think the size of the makeup and wardrobe in this show is historic. I don't think there's a movie that has done 
a bigger job than this. Every day we use a new set of foam rubber appliances, so we have two makeup artists per actor, and we go through a lot of rubber and a lot of appliances. Uh, I really don't know the numbers, but it was a lot. They usually pick me up some mornings at like 5.15 in the morning, and I'm not too far, so we get here by 5.30. I sit in the makeup trail, I always bring a movie, pop in the VCR, lean back, they do their thing. Transformation is now complete. I actually was surprised at how it's actually okay to deal with, but really it's only okay to deal with when you're working. If you spend, you know, most of the day sitting around waiting, it mm. makes that, which is normally annoying for an actor, it makes that a million times worse. It feels like you have a very, very bad head cold constantly. You have to drink a lot of water because it gets hot in the thing. And it's even kind of exhausting just wearing the stuff. And then you have to look in a mirror when you eat lunch because you don't want to get food all over your muscle. And you have to eat with chopsticks so you can kind of get the food back into your mouth. Eating becomes the most depressing time of the day. And also you see everyone else wandering around eating, eating hot dogs and having a bowl of chili and stuff during the day and you literally can't do that. I think it's going to be eye candy, you know, a visual treat, this movie. Uh, there's so many talented artists involved with it. They're going to see a planet of the apes in a way that they haven't seen it before, and, and I think it's going to be a good way to see it. We'll be back in a moment, as I obviously have a little more to show you. Well, there it is, a first look at a brave new world, a planet of the apes. Now, if you don't mind, I better be going. This is a very dangerous place for humans. Fight! Where do you think you're going? I think it's fair to call this hostile territory. Keep your eye on this one. He's fighting. Who are you? Somebody trying to get the hell out of here. Some humans have escaped. Get me the space man. I want to talk to him before he dies. He's not in the city. I will hunt him down myself. Here they come. Only one word can describe what happens when thousands of sex-starved, freedom-deprived, hormone-driven teenagers come together without parental supervision for the first time in their lives. Forget about home. Mom, will you just wake up Grandma and leave her? There's no place like a co-ed dorm. We can't do this. I'll go, I'll go fast like a man. Just give it. No way. Okay. Undeclared. A new comedy. Fox Fall. Okay, bring the camera. Good, good. Move in. Closer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, focus on his face. Closer. Miss Duncan, it's it's time to wake up. I'm Mr. Duncan? I don't want to go. Oh, come on. Do you know what time it is? Oh, yeah, you're doing that day in the life of Michael Clark Duncan thingy. Where you film what I've had to go through every day on the making of Planet of Days, right? Coffee? Oh, thank you, man. God. Okay. I'm with you. Just give me a minute to see where we should start, okay?
Okay, okay, I guess I'm gonna explain what's going on here. It's a little after, what, uh, 4 a.m., and we're on our way to the Planet of the Apes set. Now, I have to leave every day, early, for two reasons. One, to beat all the crazy L.A. traffic, and two, because once I get there, I've still got over three hours of makeup. I know it's a long process, but it's all part of creating a whole new look for a whole new world. Now, trust me, whatever ideas you had in your head about Planet of the Apes, Forget about them, because this planet is in a whole different solar system. One day they'll tell a story, and some will say it was just a fairy tale about a human who came from the stars and changed our world. Don't want it to be a sequel. It's not a remake. There's something about the material of Planet of the Apes which is very strong, and the idea of sort of reimagining this mythology and just coming at it from a different way and looking at it in a different way was very exciting to me. Mark Wahlberg is our pilot, basically set up on a space station, and there's, there's a disturbance going on out there. It's sucking up satellite relays, cell phone conversations, TV broadcasts. We set out, it's lost. Oh, Ron, I got a visual. Delta pod, abort. go out and end up on this planet. When I arrive on this planet, I find thousands and thousands of hostile apes. Thade is the general of the army. He's the head of the military, and he finds the humans disgusting. They're to him monsters. He's the villain of the piece, but he definitely represents sort of the purity of the ape culture on a certain level. This one, look at me. It's disgusting the way we treat humans. That's our world, but turned upside down. It's ruled by apes, and the humans are treated as, as beasts, as savages, and slaves. Rise when your master enters. It's a reimagination of that basic idea. What if you walked into a world that was turned on its head, a world that was dominated by apes? Get them out and get them clean! Leo gets captured, and I meet Leo and in fact save his life and recognize in him, I think a similarly sort of rebellious spirit to my own. To see you on the street, they kill you on sight. You stay here, you're already dead. Leo is just such an anomaly to us. He looked the apes in the eye right away and he is determined and proud and aggressive and strong and we're in awe of him. Who the hell are they? They all want to see this human who defies the apes. He's an, an example of what humans can become, which is a sophisticated society, which is something that we want to keep the lid on. Get me the spaceman! <laughs> When I see these apes and these gorillas that are talking, I mean, it just, just doesn't seem real to me. Is there a soul in there? I 
I don't try to change their world. I just want to get out of it. It's just, you know, unfortunately, I don't really have a way. So in order for me to survive, I have to kind of fight their fight. It's over. There's no help coming. You came. There's an article in here talking about how we're getting ready to wrap up the film. And it goes on to mention some of the more recognizable cast members. Then suddenly it hit me. Most of us aren't recognizable at all, given the fact that so many of us are in ape makeup. Mr. Duncan, we're here. Thank you. I will tell you this, whether you recognize the name or the face, one thing comes through loud and clear. This cast is dedicated. We'd have to be to endure these type of hours. We have a stunning cast. They're all professionals. They're all big stars and have a, a great body of work behind them. On the human side, we have Mark Wahlberg as Leo, Stella Warren as Dana, Chris Christopherson as Dana's father, Karubi. And on the ape side, we have Tim Roth, Helena Bonham Carter as Ari, Michael Clark Duncan, Paul Giamatti as Limbo, and Kerry Tagawa. We're very excited about all that. Part of making this movie work is a certain seeing things through the eyes of your lead character. Mark Wahlberg is impressive to me in the, in the movies that he's done and he has a real gravity to him and a strength and a kind of a, a clarity that we feel goes really good set against this planet of the apes. Where am I? What is this place? I think you really want to feel like here's a human being that you can relate to that sees the weirdness, sees all of the intensity and is dealing with it. How the hell did these monkeys get like this? What other way would they be? They'd be begging me for a treat right now. Both Tim and I and the studio were determined to bring real actors, not just put bodies. We wanted their personalities to come through those masks. Like to have a more of a clear-cut villain, I think will be interesting. I mean, to kind of really see that in an ape character will be interesting to me. Tim Roth's a perfect villain. When he did things like Rob Roy and the Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, he's the bad guy, you know, and he's so good at it. Fade is a scary monster. He finds the humans disgusting. He's for wiping them out. Kill them all. Helena Bonham Carter is another ape. I just feel like she would bring a real strength and sensitivity. And she's great. She's really fun. And she's got a great sense of humor, too. I think there's a key thing when you have that makeup on. You got Michael Clark. 300-pound gorilla grabs you and slams you on the ground and starts kicking you. That's getting beaten up. Natar's second in command to Thade, and whatever orders he gives me, I carry them out with a strict vengeance. Paul's going to steal the show. <laughs> he really is, because he comes up with one-liners out of nowhere that are so funny. His timing is impeccable. How many times do I have to tell you, wear your gloves when you handle humans? Estella Warren, who's a newcomer, but I suspect that we'll be hearing a lot about her. For the last 10 years, she's been on the Canadian synchronized swimming team. So she's in great physical shape and she's very intelligent. 
when I saw the cast, I'm like, oh man, he's in it, so-and-so's doing this. And it was like being a part of this great ensemble that not too many times you have part to be of. So this is where my day begins, surrounded by my talented makeup people, Karen here and Lance. The makeup takes hours every day, but it's this attention to detail that makes director Tim Burton so special and helps create the visual style that truly sets his films apart from all the rest. It's not a remake. It's not a sequel. This is Tim's take on the Planet of the Apes. I couldn't think of a more perfect pairing than Planet of the Apes and Tim Burton. It just spells magic. With a Tim being the filmmaker he is, he spins fairy tales. And every film of his has his stamp. And he is a sort of auteur. And that every frame is very much his. Action! Part of the interest of this is seeing ourselves, seeing people and how we treat each other, how we treat animals, the flip sides of things. So we wanted to see the humanity in ourselves, but from a different way. I think it's fair to call this hostile territory. Yeah, obviously he brings a visual sense that he has to it, but a lot of the time those guys aren't necessarily great directors to work with as an actor. But he's great to work with as an actor, and the, one of the main things is just how much fun he's having. And he communicates that to you, and that's a really important thing, especially when you have a monkey mask on. It's nice that the guy is really right there with you. He's the reason I did it. When they said Planet of the Apes, I was like, oh. When they said it's Tim Burton, I just say, I want to do it. I want to work with Tim. I met Tim for literally five minutes. I said, I'd do anything you want. And I left crossing my fingers, hoping that if he did want me to play the part, that I just wouldn't have to wear a loincloth. That was the only thing I was worried about. Never send a monkey to do a man's job. Tim Burton has put his own spin on it, but Tim just has this weird way of, of shooting a picture that's really like a genius. That was better. You should like that one. He doesn't say anything, that means it's still not right. I don't hear him yet. Great, Michael. That was it. Okay, yeah, y'all wrong. That was it. At least I gotta say we got lots of good ones because he's too scary to say that any of them were bad. Everybody on this company gets excited when Tim's around. When you see Tim's passion for the story, when you see how much he wants to make the movie and how to make the movie, it makes us excited. It's like a good myth or fairy tale. We're trying to be respectful, take the material and get the best out of it and just present it in another way. Hey, it's me again, and as you can see, we haven't gotten very far yet, but it's okay. The other actors and I have been doing this for a very long, long time. In fact, before production began, we had to go back to school. What is one of the type of school you might think with books and pencils and rulers? This was ape school, and our teachers had an entirely different agenda in mind. put together ape school the purpose of it was was to teach movement we really want to create kind of a new character to where it's incorporating primate and ape traits with human traits our apes are going to move much more realistically and we did have a school uh, to train all of the actors in the movement Tim wants the movement to be realistic. So I went and played with chimps, watched apes in the zoo, and just pretended that they were humans in costume. And said, okay, what little things are human that they do? And using all those things that are so similar as a base 
for the movement. Ape training school was three days a week. Horseback riding was three days a week. We had to learn to walk like apes, get the mannerisms of apes. Anything you can think of, jump, come down the stairs, you have to do this sort of like an ape. When we first started out, they were all walking like humans. So we had to roll their feet to the outside, so they're actually walking on the outside of their feet, almost bow-legged. Cowboys make great apes because they're bow-legged. It's difficult to teach them how to be an ape because they have to bend their knees out. It's, it's very painful for their knees. We worked with stuntmen. We were guys who were kind of specialized in ape movement. We had to do a lot of stuff of learning a kind of basic walk and learning how to use your hands like an ape and pick things up and smell things and ape behavior, sort of grooming yourself. It's better than whether they're a chimp, gorillas, or orangutan. They all carry themselves differently and each actor had to be taken through the learning process of adjusting to that creature. But they were very specific about the type of ape that they wanted you to be. I mean, I'm an orangutan, so they have very specific ways of standing, and they hang from things a lot. Well, the cool thing about ape school is kind of like a big playground. Come up with as much, you know, ape stuff as you can. The freedom to have that is what makes little special things, I think, happen in the film. About halfway through production, this makeup routine really got tiring. It was starting to bring out the animal in me. But Tim Burton put it all in perspective. See, there's a lot of incredible action and stunts in this film, which means our stunt doubles not only have to go through this same makeup process, but then they have to go out there and get thrown off horses, tossed through the air, get shot at. And most of that happens on my character's orders. We want to make the action quite intense and quite strong and show the strength and agility that apes can have and that be the energy of it. This is a picture that will see great action in terms of stunts, apes flying right at you and wonderful action in terms of the battle sequences. A lot of what we're doing on this picture is very experimental and I think that will be extended into the action, into the motion. I don't think anyone's ever seen the kind of movement that we're putting into. The way a gorilla runs is, is a gorilla runs on all fours. So we had to come up with a way for these guys to charge into battle. When they get mad, they have to charge, and it has to be real high energy. So we were working on trying to develop some sort of a system, whereas we could sell the power and the speed of an ape, because they can travel much faster than a human can, yet make it look believable. And so we've come up with this concept of loping. We've trained uh, some of our best athletes to do that. Humans can only run so fast in quadruped, so Charlie has invented this treadmill. You're on this long conveyor belt and being pulled behind a truck, and you start off around 15 miles an hour, and then you start quadrupeding, and bah, 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 it looks like you're going 30, you know? So here we are passing horses, and you're just like, whoa! You feel like you're flying. And you know when, you, when you're walking on a treadmill in, uh, in the airport, and uh, you know, you feel like, wow. You know, you step off, and you're, you know, it's just like that, but even faster. Our 
three. Well, let me tell you something. After sitting through this process every day, gives me almost all the motivation I need for my character. Hey, what's up, Don? You ready? What's up, Mike? What's up, Bob? What's going on? Uh, coming to get a little makeup? Yeah. Oh, I see. How you doing, am I? Yeah, man, I've been here. They picked me up at like 4 o'clock this morning. Really? Yeah, real early call. I got home about 4.30. What and you just got here? Yeah. Yeah. So, what? Are, I mean, what are you doing? Ah, I just woke up about a half an hour ago. That's it. And you're all in makeup already? Yeah, usually it doesn't take this long. Donald, you okay? Oh, man. Come on, man. Oh, I got to put some of this on, too. What, you got the lip balm? Yeah. Oh, you don't want your lips to get cracked now, do you? No. Good. That's about it. That's all right, Mike, I'll see you out there. Oh, yeah, dog. I'm going to go catch a nap. All right, man. Yeah, all right. You do that, Mark. Donald, I'll be up next time, will you? All right. See, that's what I mean. Some of us had it easy on this movie. But for myself and others like me, I blame Rick Baker and his staff of magicians for all those early wake-up calls. We wanted to keep it actor-driven performance base. So Rick Baker has devised these makeups, which we feel give the actor a lot more movement. As great as the first film was, I thought we could do better and not just have 300 apes that have exactly the same face, but have 300 apes that are all completely different. The first film, it was a milestone makeup movie. I thought we need to do it as a makeup movie. How do we do it? Their personalities will come through and it's not only their voice and their eyes, but their movement, so that you'll absolutely believe that we're dealing with the whole different species here. All my emotions can be done in this mask. It contours every part of my face, which I thought was brilliant, because if I smile, you can see, you can actually tell that I'm smiling through the mask. If I'm frowning like this, you can actually see a scowl up here. And that was brilliant on Rick Baker's part. With mask acting, you have to project through the makeup, and that is a, an extraordinary challenge. You have to reinvent the expressions, so you, you kind of spend some time looking in the mirror and working on what your new piece of equipment is doing. It's incredibly way more comfortable than you would think, actually. I mean, I don't find it that bad to wear, and I forget that I'm wearing it a lot. I think the size of the makeup and wardrobe in this show is historic. I don't think there's a movie that has done a bigger job than this. It's a major problem in terms of the number of bodies and the man hours that it takes to do each individual ape. You need an individual makeup artist. It's not just like putting a little powder on. This thing takes three or four hours to put on. up at 2.30 and I get here about 3. Then you're there. They're long days. I sit up for about the first hour because they have to put my hair up in a ball cap and then they cover my face in glue. Then they put my ears on and then they put my teeth in and then they put the main piece which comes down here. Then you put your chin on and then they paint me. Then they lay my facial hair on. They got strips here and then they put hair individually on and up here which drives me bonkers straight on my skin that is just an exercise similar to Chinese water torture and then they put my beauty makeup on then my hair eyebrows then my wig and it's about four and a half hours 
it's a jigsaw puzzle. Worse than the applying of it is the taking of it off, which takes about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and that's 45 minutes too long because you can't just go... It's there Please just take it off very gently. And that's, that's the toughest to take. When I look at Rick Baker, I see Merlin the Magician. I see the big pointed hat, and he has this long ponytail. It looks really kind of cool. And I see him creating all this. So Rick Baker is the magician. Tim Burton is the mad scientist. And they all just kind of conjure everything up, and it comes together as a beautiful thing. The makeup was so effective that it actually became something quite magical. It's every makeup artist's dream to do Planet of the Apes. It's kind of a childhood dream come true to be able to do this movie. Yes, my armor. It's all the rage this season. And from the looks of things, it ought to be clear by now that what we have here is a whole new planet. From the costumes to the construction of Ape City, the design of this film is truly original. visual elements of this are so important to the character and you come in on this world you want to feel like it's a real world. The apes live in what feels like a very ancient environment. It evokes a sense of what we would come to expect from apes anyway, forests and jungles and a primordial landscape. Something that gives a sense of a, a new and yet an old world at the same time. We started in Lake Powell, involved us all taking boats off to the island. As we approached the island, you could see Ape Camp, which were about 20 red, huge, sort of weird and wonderfully shaped tents. I remember having a sort of just sense of awe. We're in the middle of California at a national treasure called Trona Pinnacles. It's a bizarre landscape. It's just odd, alien-looking, and it captured Tim's imagination. For me, it's almost overwhelming. It's a, a unique location. It really does look otherworldly. Trona, that's where we have a big battle scene. In fact, we'll be up there for three weeks. And they say it's very dusty, very cold up there, and that's just going to add to the element of the fight scene. Form of the visions. Send in the first wave. Well, we built Ape City over a course of about four months. At the high point, we had 100 people working on stage. It's fantastic what they've done with the art department and everybody has done to get this constructed. Yeah, I love Ape City. It's a huge set. It's quite bizarre. It's kind of been like in Las Vegas here, I feel, because you have no sense of time or day, and it's a complete fantasy. It's basically built to the walls and to the ceiling on one of the largest stages in L.A. Colleen Atwood is doing our wardrobe costume design and fantastic looks and colors and detail in the soldiers and the humans. I have about 30 people working on the show that are sculptors, mold makers, painters, stitchers, craftspeople. I think I'll probably have to have a total of around six to seven hundred costumes. I mean, I love Colleen Atwood and I think she is a real genius. I have a, I think, kind of hip and trendy costume, which I love because a lot of it, all, everything's slightly off, all the angles are asymmetric. 
and you enter a world the planet of the apes is this the whole essence of it is is our world but turned upside down so i think she's included it in her design what i love most about what i do is realizing a vision of a world i think that's the biggest challenge of a costume designer to make the magic but still have the people be real <laughs> The magnitude of this film, you're constantly being reminded of it because the sets are just astronomical. You just see that, that so much work involved, so many people involved. Well, it's time for me to go to work now. Mr. Duncan, wait, we're not finished. No! Get your hands off me, you damn dirty human. Haven't I shown you enough? Do you want more? I'll give you more. But consider this a warning. Humans have escaped. We underestimate this human. Okay, let's go explain evolution to the monkeys. Bow your head. We've created an ape school, and this is where the actors come and learn how to be apes. It's, it's a place where they can come in and forget about everything that they've ever learned before, you know? Forget all their training and all their technique and let everything just go. <sighs> Animal. That's what they were going for. And just to let it all go and just... You, you, it really is like going back and being a child and just letting everything just go. Let all your training go, let all your thoughts go, just be direct. We started calling it Simeon Academy just because it sounds a little classier than Ape School. And uh, I actually took to it pretty, pretty easily. I think I move a little bit like an ape anyway. I mean, I have, my posture really worked pretty good for an orangutan to begin with because I have a really slumpy posture. We have 150 extras that will be involved in each battle. Uh, once we had chosen the people, we looked at, I don't know what it was, six or seven hundred people and came up with our 150. We then set up ape school here in Ridgecrest and they all came in and we started off at the very basic just like we did with all the actors and worked them up to the point where they were moving like apes and then thinking like apes and then running like apes. Mark, what I want to see, I want to see you take off over to here. I want to see you come. walk slow and then pick it up fast. Yeah, start, you know, yeah, start, okay. start it slow and then pick it up, pick it up, go all the way down this corner and then come back. Okay. Pick it up, pick it up, there you go. Bring it over this way, bring it over this way. Yeah. All right, don't go through the glass. Everybody can't. You're up, you're up. Come on, Joe, stand up. Good boy, you ready? Okay, go on, get up there. Go on. This is Jonah, and this is the space capsule that they're going to be going into to fly off into space. 
Good boy, get up there, put your feet down. Good, stay. Chimpanzees are a little bit different than most other animals because they're so socially complicated. Um, everything that you do around them or anyone else does around them has a, um, has a social meaning to it, to them. So there's a, there's a lot more involved in training a chimpanzee than say a dog or something. Um, it's a lot of relationship building, a lot of quality time. Um, and it's a lot of work to try to understand their, their little ape heads and what's going on in there. Good. Ready? Put your feet in there. Come on. Put your feet in there. Good. All the way. Good boy. Put your hands in there. Very good. Good boy. So here is the chimp's practice spacesuit. Zips up the back. Good. Stand up. Good, put your foot in there. Good boy, put it in there. Put it in there, all the way, good. That's good. And these are our practice space boots. Good, okay, stand up. Good, stand up big. Good boy. Good, Jacob, thumb. Give me that thumb. No, pick it up here like this. Thumb, touch it. Good, put your hand down. Good, put your hand down. Good boy. So what we've been working on now is having them go up there and getting them used to the capsule closing on them and the seat backing up and at the same time trying to get them to do their thumbs up, which they can do, but with the distractions of the bubble, it makes it a little harder. So um, that's what we're practicing on. Good, stay. Good boy, stay. Good. And you can go ahead and close the capsule. Pay attention. Put your thumb up. Good, put it up. Up big. Good, put it up. Up. Good, hold it. Hold it up. Smile, Joe. Jonah, put it up big. Joe, put it up. Jonah, put it up. Good, smile. Good, hold it. Hold it. Okay, now our new gloves that we just got today. Ready? That's a glove. He hasn't actually tried these on yet, and we may modify the... Uh, the size and everything. These are our first pair to practice with. So put your hand in there. He doesn't understand. Put your hand, good, see? That's a glove. Your fingers go in here. Good. This could take some time, kiddo. One, two, I only feel three. Put them in there. You understand? Thumb goes in there. This is where the real patient starts. Push it, push it. Oh. One missing, two missing. How much videotape you have in that camera? You put your hand in there. Put your hand, good, see? There you go, that's your glove. Jake, chin. Hmm, chin, chin, chin. Good, put your hands down. Good, very good. Jake, thumb, thumb. Good one, touch it up here, thumb. Close, chin. Hmm. No, don't chew on your glove. Here. Chin. Good. Put your hands down. Look here. Good. Smile. Good. Hold it. Ah, big smile. Good. All right. You can open it. Good boy. Here you go. Good. Stand up. Hips. Hips. No hips. I know. There you go. Good. Hips. Very good. Walk. Come here. Come on. 
Come here. Oh, we have a little refining to do with our spacesuit. We're basically teaching the actors how to tap into their own ape. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting because apes are so, really, they're, they're very human. They're very human, and when people usually think about apes, they think about, you know, and it's like that sometimes, but most of the time it's real subtle. Things are very subtle, and um, just tapping into each and every actor's own sense of being primal, subtly, is, is really what we're, what we're going for. Pick it up. This way. Pick it up. Probably Wednesday. We're doing those big tests. Yeah. 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 I was sent off to ape school <laughs> and uh, for about four weeks and uh, five weeks. Um, first of all, we had sort of anatomy lessons. Uh, it explained that we had much shorter legs, um, much longer arms, arms that probably had much more, you know, greater length to them, shoulders that were probably more... I just thought a distribution of weight and power is, is different. You'd have to constantly think you're essentially a quadruped. It, it's hard to walk onto. Legs. It's hard to walk on, to, on legs also that you can't actually, you've got no uh, forward hip movement. So we were taught, like a sort of um, bit like dancing, we were taken through how to stand and walk uh -huh. through like first position. Legs always have to be like parallel, slight squat, killer on your legs. And, and imagine, the, bit, the image that sort of really worked for me was to imagine as you walk um, a diaper, or I call them nappies, but a diaper full of stuff that you didn't want to spill and it was that gingerness and it was that, that definitely worked for me um then you were taught we were taught how to move everything's in rounds too um uh possibly because you've got the great length of arm you're not going to go nothing's direct and it's all sort of um a lot of the point actually is that it's not not to in be intellectualized you just have to sort of do it and that was immensely useful because you had to the whole essence of it is that you had to physicalize everything and think and be in your body, which is completely ape-like, and there's no intellectualization, there's no sort of extra little monologue going on in your head. You had to sort of stop thinking and just try and be present and as alive in the moment, which is all very acting. I mean, it's like, it was like going to drama school, all very appropriate to acting anyway. All right, let's start with, um, let's start with some breathing, just to get, really get into the rhythm. So that's one thing that we did find when we were just hanging out with the chimps is they're just so in tune with themselves, it seems, you know? They just sit and they're just there. That gravity. Completely, completely centered. just centered. Mm -hmm.
perhaps their words are connected with movement. So there is a kind of like how people speak in deaf and dumb. Mm. Somebody is like that much more physical. I'm just thinking like how would they talk? You've got like different choices. Either thinking like well anatomically they might be different, but unless we are just going to talk like ourselves like this. But or then if we talk like ourselves, then we can actually connect them. Like just like how we're being moved, we're connected. Mm -hmm. You're talking about like everyone's they're much more earth. Does that mean that therefore we can talk with more deliberation or mm. something? Mm -hmm. uh, or if something's more, if you're, they're more intuitive rather than linguistic, perhaps they are like in sign language, you speak much with much more expression, expression but mm -hmm. you're with more of your body. Mm -hmm. So it is more, or like almost a bit, a bit not dancer like, but there's something Connected. much muscu yeah, muscularity, mm -hmm. but also it's on the breath. But also, the, mm. and then the other thing is like anatomically, if they've got bigger ribs, the sounds that they come out with, how the like the shrieks that when they do go out, then they have to be much larger. Then. And you know, in between, uh, you've got a whole. It's not like twitches or anything, but it's punctuated by animal, some animal, useful, it has to be like directed um, gestures or, um, you know, they'd probably, probably smell something instead of look at something, wouldn't they? Because they sense something's happening. It was taken very seriously. I mean, uh, I, at first, in fact, I failed. I was, I was, I, I was flunked. <laughs> I got F or something. First thing Fuck in the movie. <laughs> Fuck you! What are you doing? <laughs> Telling <laughs> me! Don't do! Who do you think you are? <laughs> oh, do it. That living creature! <laughs> And I was told I had ADD and I had absolutely no concentration, which I thought was very chimp-like, you know. But no, not true. Getting her to just focus was the challenge, you know. She, I failed her at ape school in the beginning, you know. So she failed. So she had to come back in and just work on her breathing. And just learn how to breathe and just to be. How to be still. And once she found that, it was like, hmm. hmm. Then her character started to evolve. Once she found that stillness, and she didn't, she realized that she didn't have to, you know, be on. Then her character, ape, came out. Are they going to give you muscles in the back? Yeah, I asked for them. So that'll help your neck go forward. Exactly. I asked for them because all the extras get all this help, and I don't. They just expect me to act it. No. <laughs> Try to hang on to something, yeah. Hold it. Round arm, remember? Put something over your head. Keep it going. That's right. Yeah, a little heavier hands there. Nice. Keep it going. Hey, Matt. 
In the monkey mode. So we can get that tempo down for the march. Get in your mind. Get your muscle memory. We're working on a scene where uh, Kim Roth throws, Spade throws a chip, throws Pericles across the room. And uh, these guys are doing great. Jonah, get over there, lay down, lay down, down, no, 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 lay down. Good, come here, come here. Good boy, Joe. Keep your feet down. Put that in. <laughs> Pay attention. You're going to get on the pad. Good, Joe. Joe, get over there. Lay down, lay down, down. 
that's better. Go, that's good. There you go. That Where? was good. That was good. Boy. He's taking you. Keep your hands down. Stay. Good, Jonah. Get over there. Go on. Go on, go on. No. 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 More. You don't take him with you. Leave him, Joe. Get up there. Go on. Go on. Go on. Go on. Go on. Go on. Lay down. Good. There you go. Good. He's still kind of using his leg, though, isn't he? Yeah. Stop in the swing a little. It's okay. He's doing so good. He's doing so good. You get it. Get it, Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I like that sound. Let's try some turns on the breath, okay? Paul Giamatti's amazing. I mean, <laughs> the stuff he comes up with, just, and you see him working too. You see him like right before the scene, he's like, oh, he's gonna do something really good here, you know, because he's always comes up with something fresh, you know, and new. I can't shoot, but I tears on my eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Loose but controlled. Like, yeah. just, you know, you're still, you're still, you're not. Yeah, freaking out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is great, because now we got it. Now yeah, you got that. Now we got to translate that into baby words. Yeah, and then we'll start. Yeah. No. No. First baby word is no. 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 Once we started discovering the movement and coming up with things no. and playing with all this stuff and eating and, and you know, scratching and having, you know, having to walk and quadruped, to stand up and say a line is, that's even more tricky because then you've got to be, you've, you, you've got to keep all those feelings but deliver a line. And... Uh, that was the the turning point, I think, in the in the in the film was when we started speaking. It was like tricky, you know. I want to take it away. Okay, this is the whole scene. Uh huh. I want to take it away over here. Okay. Okay. Take I want that. I want that. You don't want me to have it. Come over here. Now I've got something you want over here. Okay. <laughs> you don't want me to take that. You want that. Okay. No. That was good. Keep saying no. <laughs> now you got now you got no 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 <laughs> good good come up a bit come up a bit yeah good yeah okay let's do yeah tell me what to do go go Good, good, go. good. Yeah. 
Go! Yeah. Paul, try to try to do something sneaky behind him. Ah, put him in his place. Yeah. Watch that you get don't get too. Yeah, I don't get too you know right. crunchy. Right. You want to stay, because otherwise it becomes too too character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Danger, over here. Danger. Good. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Good, good, good. No. Almost every scene, you know, where there's apes, I had something to do with it, you know. And that makes me feel good. And once they edit this film and put it all together, I just hope that the movement looks good. <laughs> I just, I want it to be, I want it to look and, and feel as real as it does right now. I think it will. Kiss. Kisses. Smile. One more kiss. Good kiss.